0: Hey, you got Frank from the Everyday Sniper here, and we got a special guest today, a little help on the podcast. I got Kalen on. He's going to talk about what's going on with him. He's got some new things going on. Plus, I think we want to talk a little bit of the end of summer. We're getting done with the season. We're winding down, getting ready for fall. You guys are out there hunting and doing your thing. So uh, we just kind of want to see what he saw over the summer, what I saw over the summer, and just sort of the state of the industry as we see it, and we're going to comment on it. Kalen, man, thanks for coming on the podcast again. Great to have you.
1: Yeah, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. And as usual, man, I, I love having these conversations, so I'm, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just super fun to be able to just chat with guys and kind of, you know, with the like-mindedness and, and just throw it around the room a little bit. Uh, so how was your summer, man, wrapping it up? I know you just said you, you were not feeling too great for Labor Day, but prior yeah. to not feeling great, how, you, how was your summer?
1: It was good, man. We uh, we did we did a, a lot of law enforcement classes this summer and um, kind of making some tweaks on that on that curriculum based upon some of the things that, that we've been seeing over you know the last year or so. And um, really trying to really trying to change a paradigm there. That's that's really the, the, my goal anyways, is, is to is to change that paradigm and, and try to get people to think in a different way. Um, that's a big, you know, as well as I do, that's a big friggin' boat to get turned. It's like, if you're not turning that boat from the wheelhouse, you're not getting very far with, with, you know, an oar or two at the bow or the stern.
0: Yeah. It's a ton of institutional incest, man, in their training. And it's just so hard to like pull them out of that. I mean, they're not being served well. And I get it that the money's not there uh, you you know there I don't know if you have to kind of manipulate your class like if you charge a civilian class as one thing do you have to go like half of that for l e or are you just all straight across the board
1: you know I do I keep it pretty straight across the board man um it's i it's generally speaking anywhere from two hundred to two hundred and fifty bucks a head per day you know this that's and, I and that's think where a, I kind of right yep that <clears throat> you know.
0: I mean, that's a great number, you know, 250 per day per person for that kind of stuff. And then if there's extra expenses like range fees that you have to, might have to tack on with some stuff. But usually those guys have their own ranges, so it's not like you're paying a fee to them, you know, if you're yeah. going to them. But, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit. I mean, you and I talked to, on the phone a couple times about it, but um, we haven't really talked about it in the podcast much. So let's go into some of the things that you're seeing like on the le side broad stroke it you don't have to get down into like name names we already know who those are um yeah it, the
1: the main thing that that uh, that i'm seeing is everybody talks about i don't have time i don't have time i don't have the resources you know and you know there's also the gear aspect of it and and that's that is changing i i do believe that the gear aspect of it is changing and i've I'm pretty sure you'll probably agree with me on that. You know, equipment is coming a long way. It's definitely slow in that side of the house, but it is coming. We're seeing more modern rifles show up at classes. We're seeing more up-to-date optics. Um, and it's it it can be looked at as a band-aid, but the efforts I think are being made. Um, but unlike the on the training side of the house, like learning how to use all of those components is still, it's still got a long way to go. Um, I mean, just the other day, I'm, I'm looking at a post on the internet and, and this guy is, you know, he's making a post. He's like, Oh, I got to head to the 25 to get on paper so that (laughs) this guy can work fundamentals at 50. And I'm just thinking to myself, what is going on here? What are you doing? Like, yeah, man. Like, what are you doing? This is 2019. If we haven't figured out how to bore side a rifle, with just your naked eye from a hundred yards and get that dude on paper. Like, come on, man.
0: It's crazy. This is no bullshit. I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast out loud. I think I might've told you this, but maybe not in the complete context last year. Okay. Last year, I got a phone call from one of the main dudes, like who does all the big LE stuff. And he's Mm -hmm. like, Hey dude, uh, got a guy coming in my class today and I'm at break right now. Tell me what a mill is. (laughs) No, kidding. I'm like, oh, he's like, I'm, you know, it's old school and, you know, we do a lot of MOA. And I'm like, you know, I get it, but I don't, but I get it. And (laughs) it's like, um, yeah, dude, here, you know, it's this, it's this, it's that. Here you go. And it was like a three and a half minute phone call. And he's like, all right, thanks, dude. I'm back to class. I'm like, all right, have fun. Good time. Stay safe. You know, it's like, it's really crazy that, I mean, I can see, like, wanting a second focal plane. Okay, I don't have a drama with that, but you can get good ones and it's different, you know, match the turrets to the reticle and different stuff, but man, it's like, why are we still in 1978? Gunny Hathcock's dead, man.
1: Right. So I have, I've been thinking a lot about that this summer, and- you know part of part of what I think that that issue is is like where we come from our background when you volunteer for that position to hold that title that is that is a lifestyle like that is a commitment and you're not going to achieve that that title unless you really really want it because you're not going to be willing to put up with all the suffering and the bullshit. Yeah, you got to
0: work for it, man. The indoxs yeah, so, and the stupidness and the hazings.
1: So it was always rammed into my skull, anyways, that when we would bitch and complain about having to buy our own gear, right, as young as young guys, like we were. I was happy to do it because I was happy to get rid of the this fucking seven eighty two deuce gear that was a giant yes know, <laughs> pile of turds. So I was happy to buy my own, uh, my own kit because it was going to help me do my job more effectively and efficiently. But there were people that would bitch about that. And, and then I remember I had a, I had a, a, a really, really good platoon sergeant that helped me develop, um, I think at a much more rapid rate as a young, as a young sniper in, in terms of maturity. And he was not afraid to light you up when, when you were acting like this little prima donna fool. And, uh, You know, he just he had a way of saying, dude, you volunteered for this and you volunteered to do a job that a very small percentage of people really want to do. As you can see, how many people showed up at your selection? Like 20, you know, like it's not like the whole infantry battalions knocking down the doors to get in there. Dude, when I did
0: the force selection, there was only like six of us.
1: Yeah. So. When you have that mentality of being a volunteer, and I, and I actually kick this off now in, in, in the law enforcement sniper classes, we talk about what it means to be a volunteer. You volunteered for this job. You volunteered to be a member of a special weapons and tactics team. And with that volunteer status comes inherent responsibility and acceptance that you're going to have to go above and beyond, buddy. You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to ask those questions. You're going to have to search those answers out because the excuse of, oh, well, they didn't tell me that that ain't going to fly, man. That ain't going to fly. And I think there's been a big disconnect there with, with that side of the community, not truly understanding that, Oh well, my battalion won't buy or my, I'm sorry, my, my department won't buy me a tripod. I'm like, okay, so then buy a tripod. Like this is, you chose, right. Chose to do this job. So with that volunteer status comes a lot of responsibility to do the right thing. And, and I think that that hopefully I, I would like to encourage that mentality to come back and say, well, who cares if your department doesn't buy it for you? I mean, fine. We would all love that. You know, my battalion was not going to buy me, you know, I wanted to have my whole battalion or my whole team, all my teams outfitted with vector 21s. Right. Did that happen? No, it didn't. But that, does that mean that I still don't have to figure out a way to obtain accurate ranges to targets when it's the year 20, 2004, 2005, Yeah, man, we can do
0: this. I mean, when you think about state platoon, too, in the military, like so much is issued, so much is uniform, like everybody looks the same. But once you get to state platoon, that's that license to be different. So, you know, what it was, was we all went out and bought what we thought was going to work for for me. You know, I carried a World War II haversack that fit the Prick 77 perfect. Cause I carried that a lot. I liked <laughs> carrying the radio. Dude,
1: oh man, I only I used a Prick 77 in in, in infantry school, and then that's the last I ever. Dude, that was that, that was me, man. I ever I, I carried awesome. that
0: thing all the time. I loved it. And this haversack, fit it perfect. That was right. mine when I was in state platoon mode and not in battalion mode. I can carry all this weird gear but it was like Saigon Sam's, right? You go out there, yeah. you're buying stuff. I mean, that was the thing. It's like, okay, I'm in the water. I'm in, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, I go get the Seiko Dive Watch. I didn't get it issued to me. Sure, I bought one yeah. out in town from a pawn shop that probably, somebody probably turned in. Um, right. But you know what I mean? I went and bought it and did that stuff. I And I completely agree, man. It's like, if that's your job, why wouldn't you buy something? Because, you know, all of us, The ones that the guys are listening to and and we're out there, we're try curious, man. We like to try things. How many pieces of kit do you have somewhere in your garage, on the floor, on the ground right now you'll never touch again?
1: I literally just cleaned my garage out after I started feeling better. I cleaned my garage out today or like the last three days, basically over the weekend. And I have piles of gear that I need to get rid of or find a new home because i i haven't used it in a decade 15 years somewhere in there and i'm just like oh man this this box shit we need to go through this
0: (laughs) yeah i mean and and so that that mentality you're right is getting not to be a valid excuse anymore yeah
1: and and so i think when you have you know it's like a weight. you know it's waves man you know it's just like it's like the military snipers you know during during peacetime you know, the guys that are combat vets are getting out. They don't, you know, they're, they're transitioning or they've moved on to other units and they're in leadership positions where there's a generational gap. Um, you know, like when I was a a young guy, there was one dude in our company. He was our company gunny and he was a, a desert storm vet. He was with Seventh Marines and he fought in the trenches in Iraq in the first Gulf war. So this gunny was like, dude, if you could sit down and And listen to Gunny's stories, like, shit, that was cool. So you have this this ebb of experience when you roll into peacetime. And then as obviously wartime ramps up, that experience level goes up. The learning curve gets really, really steep. And communications are really effective between units saying, hey, man, this is an after action report. This is what we did. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. This is the heat right here. You need to have this in your kit. And so, and again, when the war, when that wartime starts to dwindle away back to peacetime, we go back to more of a school mentality. We go back to more of an administrative mentality. And those lines of communication are often not necessarily broken, but they're definitely not as frequent. And, you know, who knows that, that we could be seeing that same kind of cycle of awareness happen in the law enforcement community right now.
0: Well, I hope so. I mean, cause what you just, I, I I, I kind of laughed about it in one podcast. I don't know what episode it was when you had talked to me, but you know, rear bags are a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. Like what?
1: Yeah. yeah. So from like, from, from a training perspective, I've really tried to wrap my head around this, right? Like, and, and I've tried to wrap my head around this because I want to make sure that I'm developing good solid curricula for my students because my, my not only is my name attached to that, but, but it's like, man, I am, I am literally saying you are good to go in many ways. Like these dudes that are coming to these schools. Uh, I had three guys this summer. They are like, Hey, I cannot operate on, on a team in this capacity in this billet, unless I pass this school. And I was like, "Yeah, man! Like that still hits home. Like that dude is gonna, once he passes, he is going off to conquer the world on his own, and that is a tremendous responsibility." And so, I want to build really good, solid curriculum. And in doing so, I have to look at like, okay, is this an advanced skill to sh- to learn how to shoot just as proficiently with a without a rear bag, or is that a basic skill? that I should be teaching the lowest common denominator to. Right. And I think it's completely the opposite. That is an advanced skill that should only be tested and graded on an advanced level when that student has had time to understand the mechanic. Comprehend right. and apply all those foundational skills.
0: Because think about it. That would be an oh shit moment. Like yeah. I got a bail, go run. I'm going to be pumping and crazy. Oh shit, where's my rear bag? Now this needs to right. be something to fill in. But most yes. of the time you should be looking for your 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 most solid platform to train on. So that would be your basic skill with, with the bag. And then the oh shit advanced one would be now do it without and maintain the same level of accuracy.
1: Exactly, exactly. Like you know, I, I do. I show students drills at the hundred yard line, um, shooting without a rear bag, without the rifle even supported. You know, my my left hand is on the ground. And obviously, you know, my right hand is on fire control. But showing students that hey, if we rely on these foundational principles, no, I can repeatedly hold inside a minute of angle with no rear support at all and not even a hand under the buttstock. But I believe that to be an advanced skill. Um, I believe that to be an application of a skill that you can look at and say, all right, like, let's see, let's see how good I can really do with this. Mm -hmm. You know, not saying, Hey dude, you're a brand new guy. Like this piece of gear right here, this rear bag, you need to earn this bitch. Hell no.
0: I mean, that Hell would be no. a case like in the Marine Corps side of things, that would be a case where if somebody showed up without that thing, it'd be like, dude, go take your sock off right now and go fill it with yeah. some sand.
1: Yeah, I don't man. care like, you got
0: one sock on, go fill it with some sand yeah. and get it under the rear of your rifle. I mean, because, yeah, because
1: you need to be wearing a T-shirt, Marine. Right, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, man, it's like some of this stuff, I, th- I just think that it, that it might be it could perhaps be like a, a generational thing.
0: I yeah. don't know. Yeah. We, we had I, a deuce. Just, <laughs> to do, not the change. Go ahead, go, go Before you change your, my, I change your No, thought.
1: I just, I just, I'm saying, you know, I hope that that is the case and, and through, and it's really just through education. Education. Through education. Yeah. It's just through, and it's not through being an asshole. It's not through being a dick. It's, you know, and, and, you know, okay, fine. I might, I'll take a little responsibility. I was super pissed off. I still stand by what I said. I don't care, Um, but did I grow from that? Yeah, I sure did. But it's still unacceptable. Yeah, but you gotta
0: be hard, man. Because I in some of it. But to change the subject really quick, with the t-shirt, we had a guy that wore the same t-shirt every stock in sniper school, and he and what he would do is he would take a shit every stock and he would cut a piece out of that T-shirt. So by the end of the school, he had that same T-shirt, but it was slowly getting pieces taken out of it. Oh, man,
1: that's just
0: foul, The same dude ended up trying in Spain. Um, He he wasn't in my battalion, but I heard uh, all about it uh, because it happened like when we were crossing the Med. In Mm -hmm. Spain, he tried to leave and go join the French Foreign Legion or something, and he got snagged, and they brought him back
1: dude, we had a kid, we had a kid in sniper school. Um, he, it, it, it all of a sudden got, we got word that this dude was a legionnaire and so, and it kind of made sense. Cause he was, he was that student that was like, he was super good at being the gray man. He was super good at just about everything we threw him. He was a good student all around. He didn't get in trouble. He wasn't getting murdered all the time, but, and he was like, he had a good head on his shoulders. And so we find out that this dude might be a legionnaire. We all fucking corner him. And we're just like, yo, what's up? <laughs> and he just kind of like looks at all of us. And he's, uh, I don't know what's happening right now. And, and so my buddy Williams uh, looks at him and he goes, he's like, so I heard you're a legionnaire. And that dude's face went like white, pale white. Yeah, it was funny. But like, I mean, he ended up being a super cool dude. And we, you know, definitely spoke to him quite a bit, asked him a lot of questions, but I just thought that was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> nice. Hey, do you have a qual for your guys or do you use their qual?
1: Yeah. No, I do. I have a qual and this season I kind of modified it a little bit, um, from my old qual that I used to run. The old qual I used to run was, was pretty tripod heavy. And, um, I usually had between a 70 and 85% pass rate on average, And I wanted to see, you know, like based upon the things that I saw earlier this this spring, I wanted to make sure that that qualification was still, you know, in line with current TTPs and and current statistics, because I really want to make sure that the qual is based on statistics. I can't just pull something out of my ass and say, I think that you guys should have to to, should be be able to do this and achieve the standard without having any any baseline for that, that that's how dogma is created. And that's how we get into these really nasty situations.
0: How far out does it go?
1: Uh, it goes out to 300. Okay. And, um, it's, uh, so, you know, my part of the call is, you know, there's steel in there Mm -hmm. and, um, you could obviously modify that if you didn't have steel, but I think now in the year 2019, it's pretty common for ranges to have access to steel targets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, matter of fact, I got it right here in front of me. So we do, um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I like to talk to the guys about is like, what is your mission and, and what is your definition? Like you need to understand that. And you would be, well, you won't be surprised because you know this, but there are the vast majority of, of my students in that realm that really don't, they don't have a mission statement and they don't have a definition. And it's just like, well, I don't know, man, I'm just, I got this, I got this, this bolt gun here and I'm supposed to, you know, just to, just the, to support yeah. the assault. Yep. So we always start that off. Right. And then we talk about, you know, what is a qualification, man? A qualification is nothing more than a demonstration of competency and in the application of all the fundamentals of precision rifle employment, right? That's all that we're trying to do. That's specific to your mission. So you have to identify the mission first. So, um, and then we just really look at everything from the task, a purpose and a standard, right? We, we identify the task. We say, okay, what is the purpose behind this task? And then what are we going to list as a standard? Most of my standard is 80% average because I think that's where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and that's right Um, out of the the Marine Corps stuff, you know, without the aid of reference, the student will be able to.
1: Yeah. And, and it's like, well, and there's certain tasks that, that, yeah, I mean, should you be able to have reference? Yeah, absolutely. Or are there certain tasks that you shouldn't be, that you should be able to recall that from memory? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's, it's important part of training. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want to make sure that the guys can zero a gun, you know, so, you know, that's kind of like a, that's just a pass fail. Mm -hmm. Can you zero a gun within 15 rounds within a minute of angle and, and a half of a minute of angle radius from your aiming point. Um, and then we got a cold shot, obviously we got some, uh, CNS anatomy shots. I want to make sure that those guys understand, you know, how to aim at an anatomically correct target. Uh, in the event that it's not speaking
0: on at uh, treadproof those are the guys I'm doing the class with in Tennessee they're a new thing and he's a doctor uh, he okay. has um without the uh V-TAC not not Kyle Lamb's ones that have the skeletal structure but yeah. what he did is he made paper targets and they're super nice and they're in like books they're big they're full size he took okay. he took a cat scan of a human body and his target is completely anatomically correct for where it you want to put placement. It's a really and it doesn't look like it. It, it does, but it's still a range worthy target. And I'll get you one and send it to you so you could take a look yeah. at it. But it's because it's got it's got like it's like a I think like a five eight 165 sixty five pound guy's CAT scan and they redrew it and turned it into a target where you know heart lungs. Mm-hmm. Kidneys, liver, and spine, but it right. just doesn't have the skeletal system like Kyle lamb stuff does.
1: Got it. Okay. Cool. Well, I'd love to see that, man. Yeah. Because that's, and I think that's a very important skill. I mean, I, as a hunter, right? And, mm-hmm. and seeing and, and having been, you know, assisting on guided hunts um, and just trying to coach people through that process as they're trying to take the shot at that animal you know, it's important to understand what the anatomy is. It's especially He's for, huge. Yeah, go ahead. Especially for somebody that's, that's trying to make an immediately incapacitating shot occur on a target. I was just going to say
0: his, he talks about, because he, um. it's Doc Maurer. He owns Treadproof and he, he was working with Buford Boone now and doing a bunch of stuff. He's a big talk. Um, You know, he does a lot of talks for the government, but he's okay. a brain surgeon. And, He was talking about the BS of the L.E.'s, like T-box, kind of, not so. I don't think the T-box is as big as a problem as some of it is, but as the triangle, because he looks at the skull in a different way than has always been taught.
1: Interesting, because I I, I would love to hear this.
0: Yeah, I will get it for you, because we're going to be down there in October. Mark and I are doing our first class down there. I will get you the stuff and talk, because he talks about basically, with a rifle, it's not, uh, it can go either way. But below the eyes, he's like, no, no, and no. So you can't really do anything from, like, basically the bridge of your nose down. He doesn't he, okay. yeah, he doesn't want anything near there because there's a lot of nothing there. Uh-huh. Unless it can go straight, if it turns at all, you're screwed. Got it. And so yeah, he's he goes through a lot cuz we're going to end up doing his um his uh terminal ballistics cuz they're the terminal ballistics we all use were from Vietnam. They yeah. were they were That's done so by an army guy in Vietnam who was a field surgeon like a mash guy. Like you know, Hawkeye did a, did, and that's been the terminal ballistics we all use. Well, him and um, Buford are doing all new.
1: Sweet. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Then so yeah, no, sorry, this, a little tangent. When's that happening in October?
0: Uh, last week of October is my Treadproof class, and he's doing. Um, I'm having. What I'm doing with my class down there is I'm cutting a half a day short, and the last half of the of the class or the last half a day. Is Doc Maurer's talk.
1: Nice. And so we're doing terminal.
0: Uh, uh, Tennessee, treadproof. Tennessee. Oh, is
1: that is that where his facility is? Uh
0: uh, no, it's called uh, yeah, it's in Tennessee. It's it's uh like Dickerson, um, outside of Franklin, Nashville. It's like not even an hour outside of Nashville. Um, but it's brand new. They just built it. Uh they got like 250 acres in the mountains there, kind of nestled in the hillside and they got a lodge and a nice he's got a big giant conference room for cuz he talks more. I mean, they do right. shoot and do all that. He's got a 360 hundred 100 yard and then they're building their long range out and right now it goes to 7 800 yards and they can even go further and play with some different yeah. things, but That
1: uh, sounds awesome. It's especially a, on the East Coast.
0: Yeah, it's a nice little facility. Um no frills right now but they're working on it, you know. Um these guys have been to Blackwater like friggin' 18 times and all these yeah, others
1: they, got, they they see what it's all they see what needs to be yeah. what the facility needs to be. Yeah.
0: So they're just building Sweet it. man,
1: well that'll be cool. I'm I'm excited to hear about that because that's always been um that's always been not I've always gone against the mainstream just because of, you know, you know, combat experience and seeing what really does happen you know it's not like we were taught it's not like what is still continuing to be taught you know you learn a lot about that stuff unfortunately in those situations but that's what we do and that's what we teach so we have to pass that information along
0: yeah yeah so all right so after your cold bore, and then your your body stuff what oh do you...
1: yeah so we, <laughs> we do some command fire no it's yep, cool yeah no, your command this is. This is awesome stuff. I I love talking about this This is great. Um, yeah, we do some command fire. It's, um, it's only five rounds and basically, you know, they need to be exposed to what it's like to fire a minute of angle accuracy shot on command. Yeah. Um, and on a basic level, it's from the prone and in the advanced level, we start doing command fire from alternate positions like barricades and tripods. Um, because, honestly, like I started to think about this qual, and I said, okay, so this guy who comes through this course, he could get five days of basic law enforcement sniper training and dude, within a month, that guy could get called out on an extraordinarily complex crisis site and have to like, what is an advanced skill at that point in time? You know, what's a basic versus right. an advanced skill. So, it's, I think there's a real fine line there. And, and that's, um, that's something that I've wrestled with quite a bit as I've developed my, my, my law enforcement curriculum over the years. So we do command fire, uh, as a basic level skill. And the major shift, the major change that I, that I did this year was I, I always used to have guys shoot off of barricades for score, um, and, and tripods. But this year we switched it. To We have hasty positions barricade-supported, sustainable positions barricade-supported, and the exact same thing with tripods, meaning I want to be able to test this dude's ability to rapidly move from point A to point B um, and build a hasty position so that he understands what his level of accuracy can be from that situation. Yep. And then we say, okay, cool. We're going to shoot like three rounds of that because a significantly high percentage of those situations that are recorded and documented anyways, that is always going to be a hasty position, right? So they need to understand that. And then we say, okay, now for the sustainable positions, that means you've had a chance to get in the position. You've had a chance to build a a solid position using shooter support gear, whatever it is that you want to use, man. If you brought a fucking kitchen sink, then you use it. Like this is where I think that mindset is, it needs to change because if, if he's taking it with him, he should be able to use it. He should understand how to use it. Right. And then we get, I give him two minutes to build a position and deliver two rounds in two minutes. And I think that's a very reasonable uh, expectation. We do the exact same thing with tripods mm-hmm. and sustain. And then we do a real simple unknown distance. Um, basically I want to test that dude's ability to understand how to apply data to his turret. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to make sure that dude can understand how to hold and correct for wind and atmospheric conditions out to a range of 300 yards. Nice. and That's all done from the prom. So yeah, I changed it up a little bit. Um, I, <laughs> I used to have dudes tripod shoot uh, 300 better. no 500 off a of tripod oh nice I tell you <laughs> what I was
0: impressed because you were you said you were just up in Alaska the their parks uh-huh. guys have they we did a qual for them they came in we'd met some of them and they were getting ready for their qual and in the window opened up and they said hey you know can we come in for this because we can get all our guys together Cause we have to do a qual yearly qual, so Mark mm-hmm. got it, did it and was friends with one of them. Their qual goes to six hundred yards, and
1: As I was it should in Alaska.
0: Yes, absolutely. You're be, and these are the hitters for the uh, guys who get the bears and the moose, and then if mm-hmm. if there's a fugitive out in those woods, they go because they know the woods, you right. know, uh, and so they're they're kind of like fugitive assist, um, but. They they uh the funny thing that kind of cracked us up a little bit. Their bolt guns no problem. Um, SPR uh, the Remington 700s, the what was the old one like the SPS or the,
1: the, the SPS tactical?
0: Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so those were no problem. They had Mark fours on them though. One of them uh, I went on a crazy rant because we it, we couldn't get it to to work, and we tested it on our fixture, and it only mm-hmm. tracked within eighty nine percent.
1: Oh shit. Yeah,
0: but um they're they're qual on paper cuz they go to steel as well. 400 500 and 600 yards are on steel. And it, and it almost translates to like a 45 66 full size, but I think it's like 66 full size full size, but there might be a minor variation. But um right. the the uh the Rock River, they had th- their semi-auto is a 16 inch Rock River. And their 100 yard qual was a minute and a half with these ARs, man. And some of them just weren't that's, capable yeah. to hold. And they had to do group size, you know, which was yeah, kind of rough. Yeah, it is. It, it wasn't like hit or miss. It was like you had to shoot a group and it had to be this big. And that <laughs> to me, that was like, ooh, that's a little tough for these 16 inch rock rivers, man. They're like $600 yep. 308s.
1: You yeah, know. I had some dudes I had some dudes in Florida show up with SIGs and and you know, geez man, those things were two and a half minute guns at best.
0: Yeah, and, and so that but I thought they had a good sporty qual and it was nice to see that to me was like a refreshing thing over the summer, you know, to have a bunch of these you know, guys come in and they're the parks guys and you don't know what to expect and then it's like, dude, you guys got a real legit qual and you're doing good, you know? They're, mm-hmm. they're out there working it. And, and, you know, then yeah. we, we had the, um, the female body guys and, and they're, they're hammers, man. They just shoot really good. And, you know, so it, no drama there. It's just, they got, they got sold a line on their 308s with the one and eight twist and all that crap. They, they had the, the TH guns and it's like, Ugh, I wouldn't want one of those. No. no. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: You know, and they were one, and they wonder why that, you know, I, there when it gets colder, it, it was like literally the 168, dude, yeah. 900 yards hits the wall and falls down. Yeah. And, and, and when, when it gets,
1: yeah, when it's up cold up there, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. And it was like, it, it it's like that graphic of the invisible wall where the 308 <laughs> just hits it and dies. Like when it yeah. gets cold up there, that's like a true story. That's
1: what happens. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, dude, even here, man, uh, in the wintertime coming out here and, you know, Eastern Washington, it doesn't get that cold, but it's significantly different when it's cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's good. It's good to see you're hitting people and and you go to a lot of the, the law officer association stuff. So it's good to kind of get that voice out and to be a counterbalance to what they're currently being given as training.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I'm super, I'm excited about it. I've got some really cool stuff up my sleeve, uh, coming up that I'm, that I'm really excited about that I think is going to enhance the law enforcement training community, the sniper training community, um, make things a little bit more accessible. And, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And, and, uh, we'll, we'll be seeing that stuff.
0: Well, sure. when you're ready to re- roll that out, man, I'll come anytime you need a hand for a dinner and a friggin' drink.
1: Dude. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, all over that. Anytime we get a chance to hang out, I'm all over it.
0: Cool. Cool. So, hey, let's get well, let's go from the L.E.'s. Let's talk matches cuz I I didn't didn't do anything this summer. Too damn busy.
1: Yeah, I shot a couple of matches um, you know, into the early part of the summer and again, you know, I had a bunch on the schedule this year. I was super bummed that I didn't didn't get a chance to shoot Scotty LR match, but it just, you know, the summer hit and and just got busy. Yeah, super busy. yeah. And that's one of those things that as much as I, I really do enjoy going out and shooting those things, obviously the, the work takes precedence. So
0: I missed um, that by two days. I got home like I got home that Saturday or something or Sunday. I got, I think Saturday I got home when it started. And, and so I, I, I would have went to that as well if I was, cause it's local to me, you know, it's a couple hours up the road and, um, right. you know, but I missed it as well. And that would have been one I went to. Uh, Although the big guns are kicking my shoulder's ass till I get it fixed. So that's, oh man, yeah, that's annoying.
1: I'm, I'm, I shot, um, I'm, I'm registered to shoot, uh, Blue Ridge again in November that, that I'm definitely going to be going to. Um, and you know, there was a lot of matches that I had planned that, that just, it was like, man, bam, one thing after another was like, Hey, can you be here for this? Hey, can you be here for that? And it's like, well.
0: That's you're those guys teach. who think we dodge them. Like we're not doing I it and they, and they don't realize, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, they're not coming because they but they want to talk smack, yeah. Like they can teach. And it's like, yeah. dude, which our schedule just doesn't work every, you know? Yeah. And then when you're home for like one, you know, I'm home, like you were probably the same way on average four to six days between your trips.
1: Yeah. It's like, I want to go do stuff. Like I want to go do stuff with my family. Right. I want to go fishing. I want to go skydiving. You know, I want to do, I want to go climbing. I did a I did a couple of really uh, cool tri- climbing trips this summer that I was pretty stoked on. So, you know, I mean, it's just living life, dude.
0: Exactly, exactly. It all doesn't rob. Now, you're going to be helping Phil out with his uh, Gunworks match, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited. Um, well, I'm going to take – I'm taking the family down. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really happy about that. We're going to drag our trailer. And kinda of make a road trip out of them and do some business in Bozeman on the way back and nice. Really looking forward to to seeing everybody at the Gunworks crew. I gotta get a couple of rifles rebarreled while I'm there. And um I'm excited to hang out with everybody and see some familiar faces and and uh enjoy, you know, Wyoming in the fall.
0: Yeah, what is it? The Yeezy Invitational now, huh? Or something?
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Like dude, when that thing happened. I was blown away. I thought he was messing with me. He sent me this text message.
0: <laughs> Dude, I saw and, it uh, online the day it happened. When they yeah. said he bought Monster Lake, I went, that's where we had the match. Yeah, and then, I I, you know, it, I, I said here at the house. And I'm like, man, that's where we were. And everybody shoots and fishes. And it's a big, you know, banquet place and all this. And, yeah. and I go, why did he buy that? I go, I wonder if he's going to let us shoot on it.
1: <laughs> no, man, it's, uh, that was a, yeah, it was pretty wild.
0: In case was, people don't know, Kanye bought the property kanye west bought the property that gunworks is having their match on the second day the field day yeah is held monster lake monster lake well he bought it
1: yeah Um, he bought it for i think uh, i think they were trying to they've been trying to sell it for i think for a while and i think um, last
0: year it was mentioned
1: yeah and kanye snatched it up for 14 million
0: there you go yeah. So, so either it's going to be, we're going to be shooting on his place next year, <laughs> or he's going to shut it down and say, don't shoot your guns on my place.
1: Yeah, that's, that is, uh, unfortunately a risk that's, that's definitely on the cable. It sucks, but um, yeah, so that I'm, a, yeah, I'm super excited about going out, man. It's hunting season. I'm getting ready to go hunting and, um, I was super sick and I couldn't, I usually, I usually hunt, um, in September, we have our high buck rifle hunt that I, it's my, literally my favorite hunt in Washington state. It's in, in my personal opinion, um, if you don't draw a really, you know, a good quality buck or bull tag, it's the only hunt worth a shit in Washington, um, anymore. And so I love it, but I was super sick this year and I couldn't go. So I'm going to try to go out and, uh, fill my bear tag on, I think Monday. Monday or
0: Tuesday, I'll probably try to jam out. Nice, nice, yep. Yeah. And then uh, the match, are you guys doing the match sort of similar where it's like a PRS side one day and then out into the field the second day?
1: I can't really divulge. Oh, you can't? Okay. Is, okay. That is the gist.
0: Gotcha, the gist. gotcha. Yeah, I don't need details. I'm not going to be there. I can't. Um, I'm, I got class. I got this weekend, I got a mile high class, and then on the 25th, I'm back to Alaska for the reunion, and we threw in a PR2. Nice. Um, very the, lo- cool. the boo, the whole place almost burned down in those fires. Where do
1: you go in Alaska? Where do you, where, where do you teach up? there?
0: Uh, Talkeetna it's right between Willow and Talkeetna. Technically it's upper sustaina but, um, okay. it's, it's two hours North of Anchorage, straight up that Got route it. one or Stewart Parkway okay. or whatever the hell it's called. Um,
1: this, this was my first year this summer. I, I, I visited Alaska for the very first time and, uh, Man, I mean, what a what a crazy, amazing, beautiful place.
0: Yeah, it's a destination for sure.
1: Yeah. It's uh, pretty awesome. I, I went up fishing for – I did a seven-day float trip, fly fishing um, in a wilderness area, fly in, and it was just – it was amazing. It was badass. I mean um, – all I want—I remember when we were taking the boats out. I was like, "Can you please take me with you? I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll work for free. Just put me back on the airplane." And
0: and, and you're you're in the same kind of—I don't want to call it survivalist mode—but you do a lot of the wilderness. Um, you know, uh, yeah. uh God, what's the right word for? Um, so yeah, yeah survival, I guess.
1: We we, we do our bat, We do every year. We do our backcountry hunting class mm-hmm. here in Washington State and. We're actually looking at possibly branching that out to a couple of new locations. And honestly, it is my very favorite class to teach because I really enjoy um, seeing the not only the transformation from the shooting side of it, but when we actually put those students in the mountains and they experience the mountains for the first time and it's transformative, it's enlightening for them. It really changes them. They always come out of it just better people and they're always very grateful and uh, you can just see the 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 shift in them as they go through that and uh it's my favorite class to teach nice
0: well the alaskans are all like you know dry cabins no running water and live out in the woods and then you know they 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 kill what they eat and that whole thing so it's it's kind of cool
1: yeah the, the 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 feeling one of being in Alaska, the, the area that I went to was Southwest Alaska outside of Bethel. Yep. And, um, it, it's, it is literally, it's truly like the last frontier. Yeah. It's, it's the definition of it. And knowing that, like when you land in that airplane on that lake up there, you know, you're a hundred miles to the Bering sea. Um, and then everything on the other side of that is, literally hundreds of miles of nothing and it's just really uh, a unique experience this type of experiences that I like to that I like to pursue I crave those
0: yeah that's pretty awesome man so hey yeah. I saw you were looking at one right before you called I saw you were looking at the uh the kind of our match fees to Jim C had put yeah. a post up so what were your thoughts on that like you I, it, you know
1: it he's I got a point I, I... He does, man. He does definitely does have a point. And, and I've been thinking about this stuff for a while and, you know, we've been, we've been seeing a lot of these, these commentaries going on lately in our, our group of our communication groups where people are starting to ask really good questions about what's going on with the sport and how is this going to progress and how is it going to move forward? Um, and there's always these questions that come up with match fees. There's questions that come up with participation. There's questions that come up with sponsorship, um, you know, ROs. And are they necessary? And how, how do we make this something bigger than what it is? And is it possible to make it something bigger than what it is? And I think Jim's got a great point. It's like, well, I think, um, you know, what are you paying for? And, you know, I'm actually th- I'm thinking about running a match in – um and probably in 2021, and uh, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of is like I don't I don't want to make any money. I want to give people just this really epic badass experience, and I want to encourage sponsors to do so. Right? Yeah. To, to participate in that experience. Right. So, like again it's that volunteering thing like what am i doing am i am i am i utilizing this as a business opportunity or am i utilizing this as, as a method to grow the community um, and so go ahead please. i was just going to say i was going to give i was, was going
0: to tell you the dirty secret of why match fees got to where they were cuz it's my fault really
1: well, well i understand that like we so, we ranked them the
0: sniper's hide cup was the yeah. most expensive match
1: right and, and so, like, I don't understand, like, and I don't pretend to understand what kind of business, you know. You know what monetary, our thinking was? I'll
0: tell you exactly. This was the rifles only days. We jacked it up to 275 prior to the PRS existing. Uh, and I will tell you exactly why we did it. Why? It was my it was me because we were selling out so quick. We were filling matches. We said, screw right. it. Let's keep putting the price up until they stop frigging signing up in three minutes.
1: Right, 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 right. There was no rhyme
0: or reason to it. It was, it was, and it wasn't, hey, we need to make more money to do this because we always gave back stuff. (laughs) I still, honestly, I always made the same amount because rifles only took two thirds. I only took one third, you know? And, but the thing is, it was just filling up, filling up. There was the two matches, the sniper side cup and the shooter's bash. And the Mm -hmm. cup was like 275, and the shooter's bash was like 175. We did nothing different between the two matches other than one was supposed to be not so much a waiting list. Like, the Sniper's Hide Cup right. had a waiting list. Mm-hmm. The Bash was going to be like, well, we're going to throw the list away to let a variety, to meet new people. Right, But that's why. There was no rhyme or reason why we jacked it up that high. We just got away with it, and the market suffered it, so we did it.
1: Yeah. I'm, well, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's economics. It's basic economics. But that was like but eight then, years ago. So, and so here's <laughs> the thing, man. So look, look, I have, I have, cause I've shot when I first started getting into this, I shot rifles only matches. Um, I shot some local matches up here in the Pacific Northwest. And um, I also shot competition dynamics matches and Zach and Ray, I think run, a really, really well executed event, and not everybody uh, uh, likes that format, but I personally do. Um, so, and, it, and if anybody hasn't shot those, that match format is it's. I think it is very efficient, and it does not utilize ROs right. in the traditional sense that we know. Right uh, now, in 2019. Like, dude, it it should not you should not have to convince 20 people to show up and give up their weekend to sit behind a spotting scope and say impact. I agree. It's not realistic. It's not sustainable because it's you shouldn't. We shouldn't have to do this. Especially when there's we, 10
0: at a time standing behind you waiting.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and my big problem with this is people are like, oh, well, people are going to cheat and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, well, dude, that's your own fucking problem. Like, then be accountable. Hold them accountable. Right. You know, like if, if somebody's, if somebody's being an ass, exactly. Tax them. Say, you know what? If I got five dudes out of the 11 or 12 in this squad that say you're being an ass, And you, then we think that you should be fine for your, for your behavior, then fuck, who cares? You know, like that, when the community starts to police its own in that way, things will change. Things will change because people will, people will come and be like, you know what, man? Like, Hey, I've got just as much skin in this game as everybody else. And until like, we've talked about this till, you know, till it's everybody's paying the same match fee, man. Right. So if I got two or three dudes that are being assholes, like, and I got a wait list of like 10 people, man, I don't really care about those three people that are being assholes. I care about making sure that the other X amount of people are having a great time and want to come back. I mean, we had a blacklist. I bet you did,
0: and and I why bet. not? And and but it's it's so easy to kind of do this, and they just don't want to do the, Go to that next level. They're doing it this. I mean, they're literally doing the exact same thing today as we did for the Snipers Hide matches in seven, in eight, in nine, in ten. They never because they didn't think scalability. They 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 wanted bigger. They wanted bi- but they're in their brain bigger only meant more.
1: Right. And and the other thing I want, I want to preface this, or I should not say preface, but I want to go back real quick and say like, look, man, I don't know what's inside every match director's brain and I don't care to know. Right. I, I don't. And I'm not saying that it's nefarious. That's not what I'm saying either. What I'm saying is, is that I think as human beings, we have a tendency to fall in line with what everybody is doing around us. Yes. And Right. So like, then you're like, well, this is how this dude ran it. So I want to jump in and run a match. So I'm going to run it like this. Well, if you've never seen how it's done over here, then you're never going to understand that that's a possibility unless you're a really outside the box thinker, which there are people out there like that too. But I think that with, with being, anything change related is scary. You and I both know that Mm -hmm. nobody likes it. It gets scary. It's dark out there. It's like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. It's really uncomfortable. But I think as business owners, I think as people that wish to see the sport grow and understand that there is a business aspect to it, um, which is undeniable. And if you really do want to see it grow, then, there needs to be some drastic changes. There needs to be some, some major changes that could be potentially exploratory, right? Let's just see how this works.
0: Like, I think between 14 and 16, they were starting to kind of get an idea. They had to change some stuff up and that's when you started to see the, you know, the props go to the next level in the way they executed. But then after 16, they're back flat on their face again and they haven't innovated at all.
1: Yeah. And well, uh, So let me also say, like, I don't shoot a lot of East coast matches. I don't get to the East coast very much. Um, it's, it's not because I don't like it there. It's just because I don't get over there very often. And I focus more of my efforts, you know, on the, on the Midwest and the West. And so I think that there, that I, I really do believe that that the majority of the people out there have the absolute best of intentions Yeah. and, you know what I'm saying? I really, truly believe that. But it's like so something that could potentially um, my wife just scared. The shit. Yeah. Out of me. <laughs> um, so I think that if you have a like a core group of people and I know the National Rifle League does, um, they have a board of directors that that discusses all of these things collectively as a whole. And that communication process is is transparent. Um, and and it's productive. I don't know how the PRS takes care of their business. I'm not privy to that, and I'm, I'm just not part of that organization right now. Um, but I think progress is definitely being made. But I, I do think that it's going to take some some real outside the box thinking and some daring moves to make some big, profound changes.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the two days, like he's talking about in Jim C's post and the money and all that, it could totally go down and in, in, in lower that now because there's more of them. But I mean, it, uh, he it they're absolutely right in that conversation. The $50 one-dayers are money in the bank, man. Those are the best matches to go to. I go to them here. I hadn't this year. I just hadn't had a chance. But last year, I yeah. think I shot like eight of the one-dayers. And, and you it's, know the nice... I go home at 3 o'clock. Awesome. I, I'm yeah. like... Even if we're not done, like we had two stages left and I was doing, I actually came in like ninth with two stages that I never shot. And it was like, Hey man, I'm going home. And they're like, dude, we got two stages left. Like, Oh yeah. Three o'clock. I'm going home.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like it's a club match, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Who like,
0: cares? But I learn, yeah, I get to do just... stuff, I get to I get to explore, talk to people, interact, do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the two dayers really should be like they said, they should be slimmed down, tightened up, made better. And then Joel Wise is really smart with that. You don't need to, you know, cap it at hundred people or cap it at eighty, whatever the case may be. Make the stages a little longer, a little harder, a little you know something a little different to slow them down a little bit. We don't need ninety second stages. The three to five minute ones, like the competition dynamics, are better because that the, and yeah. you can still jack them up, move them around more, give them more right. room to work.
1: I don't. I think that a lot of people, um, when when they see that self RO thing, um, it kind of freaks people out because you know, you, you don't want You don't want to be quote unquote that dude, right? You don't want to be the dude that lays the hammer down and says, nah, man, you've fucking missed. Like, like, but I don't know what you can you. do
0: it with 10 guys instead of 20 because then you just sort of have an official, like remember the white caps, the, the frigging guys, the officials that would come by in the war games. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah the right. Yeah. And no, we, we, we call them white caps or whatever. They had white band around their heads. Um, those guys have come through and all you need is one to go with a squad or one to be around the stage. Right. And I mean, if you stuck a GoPro down there and somebody didn't realize, hey, man, we're going to throw the GoPro on and put it on time lapse or something. People would be like, oh, there's a camera there and that'll keep them straight and narrow, you know, whatever the case may sure. be.
1: But yeah, uh, it, I think that it's like I, it's just gotten out of hand. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It really he's has. It's just gotten out of hand. And so, I mean, I love the fact that, dude, I can go shoot I can go shoot the steel safari, and if I pull a tag that, you know, gets me an early start at, like, say, 8 o'clock, dude, I'm done by 1. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm done by 1. I'm headed back to – I mean, there's not shit to do in Tucumcari, New Mexico, but it's, you know. But to get that get subway done,
0: and that gas station or, across the street
1: – yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, the, the little, bar. you watch all the, the cruisers, yes. you know, going up and down the street. Um, or, you know, you can sit there at Blue Ridge and hang out under the shade and, and shoot and, and hang out with your boys and, and bullshit for a while. Like, it's your choice. Whereas, like, you know, I think in this current format, it's just like, shit, dude, I got to stand here again for another, you know, however many hours. Right. It's like I, I stand and wait maybe five minutes maybe five minutes i mean and it's it's great because they call you up they are like hey man you ready you're like yeah dude i'm good you come up hey this is a this is a, a six target one position stage or it's a three target two position stage here's your left and right lateral limits here's your two shoot positions your targets are out there any questions no time starts now yep roger this and and i know there's people out there that are like oh well we want to shoot with our buddies and we want to sit and we want to bullshit or, or whatever. And that could be the case. But then we start talking about, you know, then you got like super squads and then you got people that are, you know, who's making the wind call. Right. Is, is the everybody wind on me? Right. And it's just like, then it gets to a point. It's like, all right, dude, what are we testing here? Is this, are we paying 250 bucks to stand around and bullshit with our buddies? Yeah. Like what, like what's the deal here? What are we doing? What's the mission? What's the goal? So, you know, and then obviously you got the prize table stuff. Then that, that was brought up in 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 that, yep. in that thread, which I greatly appreciated. I think the prize table bullshit has gotten way out of hand. Um, I think that it puts a, a huge burden on on sponsors, and I get it. You know, somebody said that like we as shooters have a responsibility um, to progress something i might be butchering it but we as shooters have a responsibility to help sponsors make more products to sell make more money and i'm like eh, well, nah. i don't know about that dude like you know it's survival of the fittest dude if you you know if if you're yeah cream rises not, to
0: the top man why do i yeah, want a freaking so piece of junk if it if this exactly guy, you know
1: exactly so it's like prize tables i think have gotten to a point now where people are headhunting prize tables and and, you know, yes. it's like until, until dudes are, are willing to come and step up and say, you know what, I'm in the top 10, um, and my cash payout or my incentive to come here is fueled by my sponsors, they're going to allow me, they're going to afford me the opportunity to shoot this in a semi professional manner, meaning it's not your full time job. It's your part-time job, and you're paid to do it because you're successful. The sponsors, in my personal opinion, the sponsors, are they should be the one that are driving that bus, not putting stuff on prize tables so that it can be sold.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, And and I know that there's also – two sides to that story i've talked to the sponsors and some sponsors are like you know what man i don't give a shit i just want it to go like i just want my product out
0: there you just want the name out and and i'll tell you what prize table work if you're doing a match with a real prize table like i've stopped doing them other than who shows up and brings something it has
1: to be insane yes it's the
0: hardest job the match director has it's herding cats they promise and then you got to remind them eight times each. And then the week before yeah. the match, you got to call them because it still hasn't shown up. You got to catalog every piece yeah. of equipment and that came in. You got to know where it came from, who do it, what do they want to do with it. You know, it, when I've done the yeah. two hundred thousand dollar prize tables that we used to do, I'm dude, we yeah. had two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize tables. That was yep. the hardest I remember job. Those days.
1: That I was the, the hardest
0: freaking job, man. And then, you know, like, God forbid somebody wants to go and say, oh, because, hey, you could have a shooter come through and it, and he'd be like, oh, I really want to get one of those APA muzzle brakes. I got eight on the prize table. Here, dude, here you go. And you throw him one and then somebody will go, oh, he stole off the prize table. No, I didn't. I gave a shooter a fucking prize and it's my prize table how I want to do it. And exactly. he won it. He just won it early. You know,
1: That's right. it, it, and it's like, ah, uh, man, yeah, you get there's eight and, of and them. really, and really what it boils down to Frank is it's, it's just humans. Yeah. It's dealing with humans. Yep. It's trying to, it's trying to navigate everybody's emotions and, and, you know, I'm learning a lot about that. I'm learning a lot about <laughs> that within myself lately. And, <laughs> and I think it's important. It really is important that we sit down and we, and we take a look at ourselves every once in a while and, and just be like, all right, dude where's the perspective yep what you know where's my head at right now and and what what do i need to be focusing on to 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 be a, a better person in this in this whole game so i think that i i do stand by that there's going to have to be some profound changes and people i think match directors are going to have to start getting creative um and and again like i'm telling you right now man my my match when i do run it it will not have range officers I mean, there's probably going to be a few dudes running around making sure that everybody's cool logistically and, you know, nobody's friggin' dying of heat exhaustion or anything like that. I'm not saying it's going to be hard. I'm just saying, you know, whatever it is, they're, they're there as a support staff. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're there as a support staff to make sure that the event runs smoothly. And the only thing that I'm going to care about is making sure that the participants have an epic time. Yeah. And that's it.
0: Cool, man. Hey, that's cool. That's on our hour and stuff. We don't want to go too long over it, everybody. But that's yeah. a good way to end. That was that was uh, a nice way to kind of segue out until the evening. Sure. So um, I appreciate you coming on, man. Anytime. I know you got some other stuff that's going to be dropping. When that does, yes. come on back on. It's just a phone call. And and, and and we'll do it again. Got, got plenty of stuff to talk about. But th- this, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, last minute. I just would that we talked on Saturday or something. It's like, hey, you want to um, come on? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. What day? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but, it's easy. All righty, man. I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate it, Frank. It's always good. It's always good conversation, and um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate all the kindness that you've given me over the years, man. Thank you so much. Wow,
0: thank you guys, man. It's, it's. I, I'm, am I'm, I'm a fan. You know what I mean? I'm a fan of everything you do, and so I, I'm, I'm all about it. So that's the easy I appreciate part. It, dude. But uh, cool, stay on the line a second. I'm going to jump off this and then um, we'll be done. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Don't forget to share, don't forget to comment. Dig in the comments, guys, and I will talk to you soon. We are out.